Welcome back to Spin Now. And as always, it is that time of the week where I bring you this week's special guest. We are on week three and I will be chatting to Dr. Paul Matthews, an adult psychiatrist from the College of Psychiatrists of Ireland. This week, we are continuing the conversation on borderline personality disorder plus ADHD and autism. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Katie. Not at all. Listen, the last couple of weeks, we have been diving in a little deeper on the things and disorders that really do affect people's mental health. I feel like we talk so openly about mental health, depression, anxiety, uh, stress and its causes. But sometimes these disorders get overlooked and sometimes get misdiagnosed. Would I be right in saying that? Personality disorders, neurodevelopmental disorders like ADHD and autism, I think... They have been misdiagnosed in the past. Um, I think that's, that's changing now, but certainly there's, there's been uh, a history of, of, of them maybe not being picked up or maybe even people deliberately saying, I'm not going to diagnose this because I can't help this person. Maybe if I say it's depression instead, there's something I can do. Paul, what is personality disorder? So what is personality disorder? That, it, it's a harder question to answer than you'd think. So I guess the question is, what is personality? So when we say personality as psychiatrists, we mean kind of long-standing patterns of thinking, feeling, behaving, um, that are sort of, they, they kind of arise in childhood and adolescence and they persist. So they sort of stick around. They might get a bit worse, might get it better, but they're there all the time. And that's personality for, for all of us. The question then is, well, what makes a personality disordered? So we'd say when those personality traits, whatever they might be, are really extreme. And so where do we draw that line? Because, you know, what, what says something's extreme? And really what we're looking at there is, does it cause you distress? Does it cause harm to other people? Does it cause you difficulties in sort of everyday life, in you know the activities of, of, of daily living? And that's where we draw the line. It's kind of arbitrary, but that's where we've kind of decided to draw it. With ADHD and borderline personality disorder, am I right in saying they're very close in their traits and their symptoms, I should say? I have seen from research that I've done that sometimes borderline personality disorder and ADHD can be misdiagnosed because of their similarities, is the word I'm looking for. Well, I suppose it's worth thinking about, you know, w- what is ADHD and, 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 and autism? Yeah. So ADHD and autism are neurodevelopmental disorders. That means they arise primarily in childhood and kind of start to manifest in childhood and then kind of persist. So already you've got a similarity there with personality disorders, which may arise from slightly older age, but all from when you're young. And these are problems that, that stick around. So there's already a, that kind of overlap there. And then you've also got the question of the symptoms might overlap. So, for instance, ADHD... You can have impulsivity. That's one of the core, one of the core symptoms of, of ADHD. But impulsivity is also a symptom of borderline personality. Then you might say, certainly in, in women with ADHD, but in, in general people with ADHD, they often have difficulties that aren't part of the core symptoms, what we know happen a lot. So low self-esteem, if you've struggled in school, quite common you'll end up with low self-esteem. People might have difficulties managing their emotions, and that can come from some of that, that impulsivity. You're already hitting some of the criteria for borderline personality. So it's not even saying those things are being misdiagnosed. They overlap. And sort of exactly where you're going to draw the line isn't clear. It's also true that some personality disorders, I'm thinking something like called schizoid personality, that's a lot about social withdrawal, um, not being interested in other people, um, not having kind of much in the way of kind of social interest with, in other, other people. That overlaps a lot with autism. And I don't think we even really know exactly how those different disorders fit together because they kind of come from different traditions. So people have studied personality disorders, people have studied neurodevelopmental disorders, and the interface between those isn't as well studied. So there's, 
your overlapping symptoms. Historically, ADHD and autism, for instance, haven't been things that have been dealt with in adult mental health services. Certainly child mental health services they have, but in adult mental health services, we haven't really dealt with them in the last, say, 20 years, but it's changing now. But we're certainly not, we're not resourced for that. But um, we are seeing more and more people and having more and more recognition. But you can see why if people didn't have a lot of training and familiarity with ADHD and autism, they might not have seen those difficulties. But it's also true that personality disorders haven't been as well diagnosed over the years because historically, people didn't think they were treatments. Well, people were maybe excluded from services because they, they didn't think there were treatments for them. Or people didn't diagnose patients with personality disorders because they thought, why tell this person they have a personality disorder? When you can't fix it, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing you've got beyond all of that is we know that some personality disorders are associated with things like ADHD, so it's not that they're misdiagnosed. You have both of them. Antisocial personality disorder, which is a particular personality disorder, is very strongly associated with ADHD. It's very common to have both of those. And I suppose the last thing to think of is if you've got ADHD or autism, you're quite likely to have struggled when you're younger. We know that a lot of personality disorders and borderline personality would be one of them. What causes them, or at least what contributes to them a lot, is difficult experiences when you're young, traumatic experiences, bullying. So if you've got ADHD and autism, you're probably more vulnerable to those experiences. So then you'd be more vulnerable to developing a personality disorder. So I think it's a real complex mess of things and actually yeah. kind of untangling it all is difficult. And I think it's something we're getting better at. We're still not brilliant at. Paul, it's fascinating because I have about 20 questions rolling around in my head. PTSD is so close as well with ADHD and with borderline personality disorder because it all comes back to your childhood, your experiences, your traumas and so forth. A question I actually really am intrigued to know is the symptoms between a boy, a girl, a man, a woman with ADHD. Is there a difference between the symptoms, how they show in a female and a male? So classically, though, it's... So the one thing to say is, is adults present differently to children. So children okay. tend to be more hyperactive on average. And then by the time you become an adult, that hyperactivity tends to diminish. Um, I, mean, I mean, you look at you look at children versus adults. Children in general are more hyperactive than adults. So that hyperactivity tends to diminish and it might be re- replaced maybe with more of a kind of inner feeling of restlessness than an actual hyperactivity not completely i've had patients you know who are practically bouncing off the walls of their adhd so the presentation can change anyway and, and between people but certainly what kind of experience and i think research would say is that the girls tend to be less hyperactive than boys and the other thing is they tend to be less disruptive and so they may be picked up less commonly okay it's a bit like autism actually with autism they say that girls are better at camouflaging it um, maybe they find one friend and they sort of stick around with that friend copy what that friend does and they don't tend to get picked up or maybe they say that often the repetitive interests you get with girls and autism are more socially acceptable so boys are lining up trains girls might have an interest in like a boy band or something and people are like oh yeah that's fine that's what girls do now the reasons why we might have these kind of gendered views is, is you know is something else to discuss another time but but certainly i think it means that people are more likely to explain away uh, difficulties in girls and so i think there are, there are slight differences but there are also kind of cultural expectations that differ about boys and girls as well it's you explained that perfectly you really did and i feel like that's why women at a later age and more frequently now i find are being diagnosed with adhd because they haven't been picked up on throughout the years i do feel like we have came so so far with adhd uh, autism and i feel like there is so much more adults getting diagnosed now than ever before and would that take it back to maybe children not showing the symptoms when younger because there is a substantial amount of people that are now getting diagnosed as adults compared to 10 years ago there's a few reasons there one of them is so as an actual fact the criteria have become loose so you don't need to have as many symptoms to be diagnosed with ADHD an adult now as you did 10 years ago so maybe there are people who just didn't meet the criteria and do now but I think more what we're seeing is 
awareness. So people are looking for an assessment for ADHD, they're getting treated. There's also availability. 20 years ago, as an adult, you weren't getting an ADHD assessment, so it was irrelevant. You know, there was no one doing it. And even now, there's very few psychiatrists doing ADHD assessments, even privately, let alone in the, in the HSE. Availability is another issue. I think, as well, historically, probably access to services for children. We, we, you know, we know that access to mental health services for anyone is, is very limited. Yeah. So it's not a surprise that not all the kids with ADHD were getting picked up 20, 30, 40 years ago, because you know, we, we actually have quite limited mental health services available in Ireland, certainly in the public sector. Yeah, it makes so much sense, honestly. I don't want to get stuck on this because, as you can see, I'm so intrigued and I have a thousand questions. When I get back, I have so much more for you. So sit tight for a second, Paul. When we get back, I will be continuing chatting to you about this. Keep it here on Spin Now with me, Katie. Welcome back to Spin Now with me, Katie. And I am still joined in studio with Dr. Paul Matthews, an adult psychiatrist. Just before the break, we were chatting about ADHD, autism and personality disorder. And I will wrap it on this, Paul, but I'm so intrigued because we were just talking during the break about people getting diagnosed later in life. And we were just seeing how a massive thing that is driving the adults to getting diagnosed is when they realise okay, well, my child has this and they start seeing the similarities. Am I right in saying that's a big drive for adults to be getting diagnosed later in life? I think so. Certainly, I would say adult patients, obviously. And when I see adults, you know, in their 20s and they tell me about their parents... Okay, and and, and, you know, and then I I wouldn't maybe necessarily at at that point say to a patient that their parents should get checked out. But if if a child's coming to a a, you know child adolescent mental health service and being diagnosed with ADHD or autism, I think it's much more common now for those services themselves maybe even to say to a parent to think about it. But certainly, yeah, you're looking at your child and going, I I can see there might be a connection here. And because thinking about ADHD and, and autism in adults is now a thing where it didn't really used to be, people are then able to to take that further. Whereas I think in the past, you know, we did we didn't adults for ADHD so it didn't matter whether you thought you might have ADHD you weren't going to get assessed so th- so the kind of the environment has changed yeah and do you know what it is so interesting that again back to the stigma people are afraid of being labeled but people also don't realize that they're living their life with a condition that is affecting how they operate daily and anyone I've spoken to that has got diagnosed as an adult with ADHD I recently had Keith Walsh on the show chatting about this he was diagnosed later in life and he just expressed that his whole world changed his relationship changed his daily ways changed how he operated changed and it brought him so much peace to get that diagnosis and it's fascinating so if anyone was listening in today and they had that little seed of doubt in their head about going getting this checked it's something you don't have to share it's something that could possibly change your life change and make your life easier on the daily basis I would urge you to go and get it done and it's something you don't have to say or tell people if that's what you're afraid about being labelled but it is something that can make your life easier going forward isn't it? Yeah, and I think labelling is an interesting one because you know, we were talking earlier about personality disorders and I think a lot of people are afraid of that label. And over time, my experience as, you know, as a psychiatrist is that the young people I'm seeing are coming to me and saying, oh, Dr. Matthews, I think I have borderline personality disorder. You didn't see that 10 years ago in yeah. the same way. But I think because you know, mental health difficulties in general are being destigmatised, people are a lot more open to saying, okay, what's going on for me? Is this explaining it? In a way that that they weren't in the past, they were afraid of, let's say, afraid of getting labels, afraid of being stigmatised compared to other people. But now I think people are a lot more curious, certainly younger people, but I think it's it's extending out to the whole population. I think everyone now is much more willing to just say, okay, whatever that label might have in terms of baggage, 
is it something that's going to help me? And that's, you know, that, that's the point. Why do we label things? We label them so that we can do something about it, so we can get help. There's no point having a label if you can't get something useful out of it. Great statement. Great statement. And what I want to ask you next is how many people have a personality disorder? I know that, again, back to the stigma, many people don't talk about it. Is it something that's diagnosed regularly here in Ireland? So it is something that I diagnose regularly in my, in my job. In terms of figures for Ireland, there aren't great figures. Um, if we kind of look at worldwide figures, we're probably saying maybe more than 5% of the population would have a personality disorder. And then if we think about personality disorder, we most focus on in, in mental health services, which would be borderline personality, maybe one or two percent of people would have it but that's that's the population in general but if you look at people who are attending mental health services the figures are much higher so maybe 20 percent of people attending mental health services in the community have got borderline personality maybe 40 percent have a diagnosable personality disorder and in an inpatient psychiatric unit the figures are even higher so there's a lot of need there that's presenting to mental health services even if the number of people isn't huge if you see what I mean yeah well Paul again the same question as with ADHD and autism does it affect women more than men personality disorder is is there a difference so again it's we don't know exactly and it's probably true that personality disorder in general is roughly equally split across the population, across men and women. But then the question is, what kind of personality disorder? Because we can have extreme personality in all kinds of different areas. And so the one that would be more, much more commonly diagnosed in women is borderline personality. And that one certainly is, is, is overrepresented in women. There's some debate about whether maybe it's underdiagnosed in men, but certainly based on the figures we have, and certainly you know just from my outpatient clinic, it's much more, more commonly diagnosed in women. Whereas antisocial personality disorder is much more commonly diagnosed in men. So there are there are definite gender differences, but if you add them all together, all the different types, it evens out. But that's not very useful. If you know, it's, Drilling down is much more useful in saying, OK, women are much more likely to be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Wonder why that might be. And I guess borderline personality is the one we focus on in mental health services because the way it presents is, is very mental health. People are looking for help. They have a lot of distress. They have a lot of emotional difficulties, difficulties kind of regulating their emotions. People have a lot of relationship difficulties. People have difficulties around their identity. People can have, you know, really quite unusual experiences. So dissociative experiences where they don't feel like they're in their own body or they can even have sort of very short-term psychotic experiences. It's the kind of thing, if you get it, you're going to go and see a psychiatrist. So that's why we would see much more women with borderline personality, whereas men with antisocial personality disorder, they don't come and see us because they're not looking for help in the same way. When does it start? Does it start when you're younger? Personality disorder, is this something that comes along in, in more adulthood? So it kind of depends on which kind of personality disorder you're talking about. But certainly with borderline personality, it might start to manifest in childhood, but it's really around adolescence. It starts to become starting to become obvious. And then we tend to diagnose it when you're a, when you're a young adult. Okay, and can you treat personality disorders? Fortunately, you can, yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't have great evidence from, for all the personality disorders, but again, I so said the one that we would focus on particularly is borderline personality. Borderline personality has had a lot of research done on it because it's you know, such a common, common presentation to mental health services. Historically, people would have said it wasn't treatable. So, you, know, you get diagnosed, bye-bye, we can't help you. Or I think what was more common, people said, oh, well, we can't really treat personality disorder. Let's say maybe it's depression. Maybe People were maybe misdiagnosing, but partly out of a, a sense of trying to help. Yeah. And we still see a little bit of that about that now with people maybe giving medication because they don't have other things available. But the evidence base really says what you need is psychotherapy. And since maybe the 90s, this really developed an amazingly good evidence base for therapy. So dialectical behavior therapy is one that's probably most commonly seen in Ireland and delivered in a number of different services across Ireland. It's still not available in all areas and where it is available it's really 
you know, it's in, it's in short supply. Uh, so, for instance, in my service, we would have a couple of places a year, but the number of people who would need it would be much higher. So there's definitely a shortage. There are other kind of therapies, um, mentalization-based treatments, another one that's, that's commonly used, MBT. But there are lots of them, cognitive analytic therapy, schema therapy. There's lots of things that could be available. And all of them really have in common that they're longer term. So you're looking at at least three months, probably more like six months to a year. So they're, they're quite long and intensive therapies. And I think that makes sense because these are difficulties that are long-standing, yeah. ingrained, pervasive. You know, you, you need a good bit of work to, to help people with those. But, but they definitely can be helped. It's just access to those therapies. The College of Psychiatrists, in the last couple of years, we did, we did make a position paper looking at service provision for personality disorder in Ireland and really saying it isn't great and it needs to develop further. And we've been spending the last couple of years really trying to push that. And it's, it's been quite difficult. I think there's still not the focus on personality disorders that we... Need. that we need yeah I just want to ask like with borderline personality disorder does it affect your relationships does it affect how you operate within a romantic relationship or even outside that with friends family you know is it more difficult so yes it's re- it can be really difficult it's not to say people with borderline personality can't have really fulfilling relationships. Of course. And sometimes we see peri- people have good periods when they have a really supportive, strong relationship. Actually, that, that can really scaffold them and they can do really well. And then maybe if that relationship breaks up, things go badly. But part of the, the, the features of borderline personality is this really intense and unstable relationship, fear of abandonment and doing a lot of kind of really kind of frantic attempts not, not to have that relationship break down. And if you kind of want to think about that, maybe to people who've had traumatic, abusive experiences in childhood, you can see why they used to relationships that have been incredibly unstable that have been abusive that they've needed to sort of fight for their needs and attention it's no surprise that, that this will become a pattern that becomes kind of ingrained for people and that's really part of the work that you do with the with the therapy it's around helping people to find ways of managing those relationships that, that are more kind of more health a lot of patients will say when they come out of the therapy that's actually one of the areas that they've really benefited from is that their relationships now are much, you know, much more kind of mutually beneficial, and they no longer feel like they're having to fight for the for the attention and and maybe finding partners who are exploitative because that's the other risk with with something like borderline personality. If you develop borderline personality, you're much more at risk of getting into difficult relationships which are exploitative and where you you know you get re-traumatized. It is all about that onion. I say it every week. The onion. You have to peel it back layer by layer because we come into this world so free of all the toxicity and. And little by little, it gets put on you over the years. And then if you do decide to look into these things and fix these things, it's about taking off those layers of onions. Paul, I could talk to you all day, but I am unfortunately out of time. My last question to you would be, if anyone wanted to find more information out about this or seek help, where would they go? So I think probably a good first place would be to look at the, the College of Psychiatrists website, which is irispsychiatry.ie. If you search on there, there's like a sort of news and blog section so you can find some things on personality disorders, even things written by me if you wanted to read those. <laughs> Little um, plug for yourself there. And, go and, for and, it. And another place is the College of Psychiatrists, the, the Royal College of Psychiatrists, the UK College. Um, they also have lots of useful stuff on their website that's worth, as a start, that's a good place to begin, I think. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time today to join me in studio and give me all this important information. And thanks for joining me on Spin Now. Thank you.